0: This is Making It Happen by SIMS, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Hello everybody and welcome to a latest episode of the Making It Happen podcast from SIMS where we bring on world-class guests, experts in their industry to discuss market trends, technology advancements and industry insights. This week, delighted to be joined by industry veteran, all-round good guy, and memory expert, Alistair Jones from Intelligent Memory. Good morning, Alistair. Good morning to you, Kevin. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good, thank you. A bit great today, but uh, hopefully the conversation will brighten that up for us, which I'm sure it will. Absolutely. <laughs> good man. So... Um, I guess, Alison. So you and I meet quite regularly at various different events. Um, recently, we've uh, we've hosted and an attended and had a stand at the Electronic Design Engineering Show. Um, I know also we've been at the electronic component shows um, and various other in between. And it got me thinking just around some of the conversations we were having with partners and and prospects that we were speaking to. There, there seems to be a real increased demand, or certainly a change over the last two years. Um, with more and more partners coming to us with small form factor boards and I say edge connected devices looking to use embedded storage so moving away from traditional storage of maybe memory cards but moving more into soldered down DRAM and EMMC as an example um, and I just thought maybe if um, as is an area you specialising, perhaps this is that where we could take the conversation as to, to why we're seeing those trends and what it is that so appealing about these technologies to, to the new innovations that are coming through. So perhaps if you could just start, just give us a bit of an overview on, on the types of embedded storage devices and where you think their significance is in, in today's landscape.
1: Yeah, I see. But, I mean, effectively, when we're talking about um, sort of the, the whole area of the, the technology, we're really talking about DRAV and managed NAP. That's the way I look at it. Um, you're looking at DRAM for the computational sort of demands of the CPUs, yeah, uh, and then you manage NAND for the storage of data. That those are the sort of the two key areas. Uh, as the drive for data increases, um, you know, across numerous applications, um, capacities just get bigger, and people want bigger, faster, more faster. That's the really simple way of looking at it. Um, Multi-chip packages have started to come in now in the consumer market. Um, that's where you have a, a DRAM and a NAND in the same package. Yeah. Um, hasn't really come into the industrial volumes and things yet. Um, it's still very much in that sort of mobile phone, high volume uh, consumer type market. Um, but I think the thing that people forget as well is that if you look at the semiconductor market generally, memory and storage is 25% plus. of the semiconductor spend in the world um so you know it's a huge area that tends to get forgotten and pushed to the back because it's more of a commodity um but but that's sort of the the type of products that we're talking about and
0: you touched on it there a little bit so you you kind of said actually consumer was probably the driver rather than industrial initially is that are you seeing this trend coming more into industrial are you seeing more and more Embedded board manufacturers and designers using for industrial applications these type of technologies?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if, if you look in the past, people were using a micro SD, for example, because they could get um, a higher density or it was more interchangeable or things. As the quality and all these sort of things has, inc- has increased, endurance has increased. People are now switching from a micro SD to an EMMC and putting it down on the board because they've got the density, they've got the endurance, all that sort of side of things. So absolutely, it's more and more going into the industrial market.
0: And what kind of applications are they then? Because I, I know for our conversations, they seem very varied at the events that we had, you know, from people putting them into um, systems that are used for data logging devices, certainly more IoT-connected devices where there's, there's a lot of information being held or stored or performance required at the Edge device. Where are you seeing the common use cases for for onboard DRAM and onboard eMMC? You
1: see them everywhere. I mean, if you look at the marketplace generally, and we talk about the sort of consumer end, um, let's just think about the automotive market for a second. Yeah, you, know, you sit there and say, okay, we've all seen on the news on you know delays in car manufacturing and all that sort of stuff because they can't get electronics and all this sort of side. Um, But actually, when you look at it, demand has rocketed of the technology inside a car. Yeah. Um, You know, if you look now, you've got from engine management systems, powered and heated seats, through to infotainment systems, gaming, you name it. It's it's all inside a car. Um, All this requires electronics. And, of course, the majority of it requires memory and storage. Um, Yeah. That's a very simple one in that sort of automotive market. If you look into the sort of standard um, consumer marketplace, you know, PCs, yeah. we're, we're very fortunate to be in the UK. Who doesn't have a PC these days? Um, you know, the, the drive for PCs is just there. Processes keep moving forward, um, adding bells and whistles, speed, etc. next generation. It gets bigger, it gets faster, so on and so on and so on. Drives the memory and storage market. Uh, mobile phones massive consumer deal um, yeah again dry whole bit and that's a great place where you use an MCP for example of you know you need the small package therefore they're trying to bring the DRAM and the NAMD into a single package and all that sort of stuff um, of course users now just want more on their phone they want more storage because um, they've got a million apps you know there's an app for everything
0: <laughs> yeah exactly um, right
1: yeah. But when you look at it, you know that's also then utilizing cloud. You know you, whether you're on a you know I don't know an iCloud or a you know onedrive or whatever, um Amazon cloud, you know they're all driving cloud. So of course, all that the the cloud data storage just grows and grows and grows. and um, and again, as they're building the data centers, they want bigger, they want faster, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you know all these things, Carry on through all that sort of side, and then of course you've got the DRAM for all the the continued computational um, stuff that's going on to to really drive that market. So it, it's forever increasing. When you then bring that into industry, you know the the sort of the big guys, the Microns, the Samsungs, etc. Um, yeah, you know, they all follow that consumer market. It's huge for them, um, yeah. so they're continually pushing the boundaries um and ensuring that it's on the latest technology the smallest node so they can produce it but they they're continuing to move through the family of devices um i i always use my smartphone as an example i mean my my iphone is an iphone 13. it's two years old it's two generations behind yeah yeah that's how quickly this market moves um but industrial customers, when you go into the industrial side, you know they want to design a product now and produce it for the next seven years, ten years, whatever the the timeline is, depending on their marketplace. Um, so you know there's got to be a balance between what the commodity market needs, where the big guys focus, and then yep. what the industrial customers need of that longevity of supply and that sort of side. So okay, so that's quite interesting. So so take the trade
0: off on the consumer technology that is moving at a speed that probably isn't suitable for the industrial markets, and I guess if we use the term industrial, we're talking anything from oil and gas right the way through to sea exploration or wherever it might be. Any anything that's in a harsh environment or um, where perhaps you've got vibration or vibration issues or you need uh, power to be more efficient because it's it's remotely powered or battery powered. So take the speed at which the consumer market's working at and how quickly the major manufacturers and semiconductors are moving to support the volume technologies. What impact does that have on the industrial market and where do they turn to? Because I know this is an area that you guys specialize in, is that long life cycle support. How, what does that situation look like? How does that play out in terms of how do you ensure you can keep supplying for seven years when the rest of the technology technology is, is moving on every two years?
1: Yeah. and it's all about um you know supply and demand and all all that side within the um the, the focus area of the business. I mean if you look at let's just take a micron or a Samsung, as we said, you know, their focus, the majority of their profit is driven from that consumer type market. Um, yeah. you know, that's where the big volume's churning out of. Um when we get into the industrial customers, and as you say, it's a it's a broad brush term you know we're talking about (laughs) embedded computing industrial automation security test and measurement medical devices all these things that are being designed and produced for a long term um rather than replaced every six months or 12 months whatever it is um you know then you need that stability of people saying right we will focus on this area um, and I call it you know, the legacy products up to sort of the modern-day technology. And yep. to put that into perspective in DRAM language, um, you're talking about the consumers pushing now into DDR5, lpddr 5 and beyond, into HBM, um, graphics, uh, memory, all that sort of side. Um, but we're still producing yeah. the original SD RAMs, DDR. DDR1, uh, DDR2, sorry, DDR3, DDR4, and industrial customers are still heavily designing with DDR3, DDR4, LPDDR4, LPDDR4X, you know, these sort of technologies, um, and then they need to produce that. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, that's about ensuring that the fab space is available, uh, that the wafer starts are there, uh, that the right agreements are in place for the long term. Um, and, and that's really what I am is about—is ensuring that that longevity of supply for those industrial customers, which is where our focus is, is there for the long term. The
0: interesting point. So you mentioned they're still using SD RAM. So that technology in itself is is very old, right? So it's been around for a long time. Why are these customers still using this technology? What it, what's what's the reason that they still need support for these these type of technologies that perhaps the consumer world has moved past?
1: It's an interesting one. You know, the, the, some of the older processors are still there. Um, you know, they, they had designs that are still going uh, and in production. People are still designing them in because they don't need that speed, the bandwidth, um, all that sort of side, or they're still using an older processor for simple tasks. Yeah. Um, so people are still designing it in. Um, but what also happens, uh, and EMMC is a great example of it today, is EMMCs were available from you know the big guys in two, four, eight, 16 gig devices? Yep, now that their market has moved to 32 gig, so they're end of life all the smaller parts and trying to push everybody to the 32 gig. Well, customers are still needing two gig, four gig, so a 32 gig is just overkill for them. You know, yes, there are. Um, you know, the price of a 32 gig has come down towards the hairier, but it's still a, a waste, if you like, of of um, available storage there within a device. Just because I need 2 gig, I have to use a 32 gig. Um, so again, you know, we've looked at doing 4, 8, 16, 32, 128, 256 for the long term. So there's a long term roadmap for people. Um, because, of course, every time somebody in the industrial world has to change the device. They have to re-qualify it. That's engineering time. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but you're, in engineering time and testing and all that, you're probably talking $20,000, 25000
0: And that's without the qualifications that they might have to go through to, to, to actually re-approve and retest and uh, re-qualify as well, which when you talk about, I guess, aerospace and defense or medical or transportation industries, you know, there's, there's some pretty excessive... test requirements from that side and certifications required and they can be quite long processes as well i mean you've been looking at um anywhere from six months to a year to go through that at quite an expense so okay that that would make sense so then um, i mean i was quite interested so a lot of the conversations i had certainly at eds um people historically were using micro sd cards or sd cards because of the small footprint in their devices, but they, they certainly were very interested or and were exploring the use of EMMC and flash technologies that were soldered down. What do you put that down to? Because I, my, my take on it was um, vibration being a, a big part, because obviously it's a removable device that probably wasn't designed or isn't designed to be, to be on a board in an area where actually there are vibration concerns. And I know obviously there are issues around pins as well. With micro sd and sd in environments where they, they move around are there any other benefits outside of vibration as to why you think these companies are looking to to move more into emmc away from sd or micro sd i
1: think in the, end, the sort of the, one of the key drivers um the, the, other one really if you think about it a micro sd that you can take out change in some some technology in some areas has an advantage in other areas you know, Somebody's just walked off with the micro SD card. What's happened? Yeah. Where's yeah. it gone? They um, can't use the system because the, the card isn't there or all those sort of things. Um, so you've almost got that sort of security element as well of at least you know everything's there. The densities have, have increased on the MMCs um, and the reliability and all that sort of side. Um, so again, people can put it down in confidence and know that they can upgrade their firmware and all those sort of things. Because again, part of it was um, people were using that sort of interchangeable micro SD card, so they could change things. Well, you can do that on board now. At the board um, level, so yeah, stay with it. At board level, so people can stick with an eMMC soldered down. There's our unit produced, solid quantities there done. From an adoption point of view, I guess it's easier if you're a board level
0: designer or an engineer it's much easier to, to build your system and to build the firmware around something that you know is, is going to be soldered down, on board, accessible rather than, as you say, something that potentially, moving forward isn't going to be reliable because it could, as I say, come loose or you have to glue it down or somebody can walk off with it. At least then you know it's all on there and you can do your design. Are there any benefits around performance and efficiency? Because I guess power must be an improvement as well. i Home-
1: haven't checked the numbers, but I'm pretty convinced that there will be a power advantage. Um, there's certainly a, a manufacturing advantage uh, in terms of the process flow and all that sort of side of things. Um, you know, again, if you think of a, um, a of an SD card, uh, that's got to go into an SD card holder. Um, you know, all these sort of things. So the engineers having to put a connector down, yeah, to then plug something in rather than just put the the BGA straight down
0: no that makes sense so that that's that's good so which applications are you seeing adopting emmc and and DRAM so what specific type of products are you seeing more requests for
1: it, it really is across the board uh, as we say we're seeing a lot in medical we're seeing an awful lot in embedded computing um all that sort of side pos terminals uh, in a, it, it's everywhere um you know I. The list could go on for hours and hours. You know, We haven't really spoken about IoT, for example. I mean, yeah. IoT is one of the big buzzwords that's been around for a while, and then IoT too, and all, all these sort of things. People want that connected world, um, whether that's in, in industrial applications or consumer applications, it's all that um, connected devices. Those connected devices are then communicating the moment they're communicating, they're storing data, data is still king. So there's storage, there's computational stuff. We then got the whole sort of AI application starting and all those sort of things. And and that just drives a massive amount of storage and data.
0: And, and what do you think the future for this technology is? Do you, do you think this is a growing market in terms of the embedded storage side? So do you think we're going to continue to see more soldered down BGA technology has been adopted or do you think this is just a a short term move where do you see it going
1: if i look at this at the the sort of the big level um the global DRAM market today is something like 70 plus billion dollars something like that um that will double between now and 2027 yeah so we're talking five years it's going to double 144 billion is the is the latest forecast number I saw for 2027 so that's a doubling that's double digit growth year on year on year on year. And I don't see it stopping. Um, you know, there is there is the demand there to, to drive that. If, if you look in service, for example, the predicted growth rate is something like 17%. If you look at enterprise SSDs, that's up at 14, 15%. You know, these things are going to continue to drive. This will continue into um, the sort of industrial market. As more and more people regard data as king. Um, you know, so there's more storage. They want to do things faster, so the processes get faster, so they need quicker computational uh calculations and things, so the DRAM gets faster and bigger, or you know, so on and so on. So it absolutely continues to go through. If and, and- you look at sort of the next five, ten years, then there's a huge amount to go. You know, AI acceleration is just crazy. And do you see um, this? At, do you see this at
0: board level, though? So, so I guess we we understand that uh, in, in the enterprise environment. Obviously, enterprise SSDs are going to be more requirement for storage. But are you seeing this at board level as well? So, you think the future of the BGA, the, the soldered down flash and DRAM continues to grow at the same rates. Yes,
1: absolutely. You know it's absolutely going the right way yeah you know, the more people can put down on the board the better that that's how people are perceiving it
0: and and what advantages does that bring so i know we've, we've kind of touched on a few things but I'm, I'm just trying to understand what's the perfect environment for soldered down i know embedded computing is, is clearly one but if you're an engineer or a designer and, and you have an option between using physical modules that you can plug into a board versus soldered down I'm just trying to understand what advantages that brings to them um, around either processing power or or latency or performance. Is there is there is it much of the much? Is it the same? And actually, it's probably more about the physical form factor and and size and weight. Or is there or are there technology benefits?
1: Um, I don't think there are any dramatic. Um, technology benefits. You know, obviously, if you're going into modules, you can increase the densities. You can be more flexible. You know, PC is a great example of that. And if somebody's doing embedded computing and things, and they want that scalability of memory module, um, then you have to go through that sort of module size to be able to do the upgrade. Um, the disadvantage then of having it on the board is that the board is fixed. You know, it's that that's your that's the density you've got. You can't then have that upgrade path yeah. um, to do that. Um, but I think in terms of on the board, there are some, um, if you like, quality advantages because you know the, the board's sold and it's gone through a test, et You know, It's not that the module's been put in slightly crooked or whatever, so you've got that sort of, it works, the quality's done. Um, you will have some latency as you're going through a connector and things like that. But I think in the big scheme, it's down to the the customer's um, actual requirement for their project. Yeah, What are they actually trying to achieve? Uh, And that's going to be a big driver for them on which is the right route.
0: And I guess actually that probably echoes a lot of the conversations we've had around EDS where it really is size and weight and power that seem to be the drivers because most of the applications we're talking about are getting smaller and smaller. I know there's actually a limited amount of space on the boards or within the application to keep stacking memory storage modules. So they're really looking to make these as, as small as possible, but as
1: efficient from a power perspective. Correct. <laughs> well, that's where, that's absolutely where it's going. And, and that's where, of course, the the sort of later technologies come into their own. Because, you know, if you compare a a ddr3 memory to so today's ddr5s yeah you've got on the node more of uh, the computational stuff you've got it faster you've got it in a smaller package lower power etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know it's again as the technology moves forward the sort of densities and things that people were looking at the modules for and now available in, a, in an off-the-shelf pga package
0: yeah no, that makes sense that, that's, that, that's, that's very clear so you touched earlier on uh the semiconductors to so the likes of micron and Samsung were a couple of the names that you used to provide this cyber technology around the mmc or for the soldered down DRAM. I guess now for, for everybody listening what are the advantages of using an intelligent memory so you touched on your longevity of supply but how, how are you different to those businesses and, and where do you look to support where perhaps they don't but I
1: think you know, we as you say we touched on that uh, on longevity Uh, And that is a key part. If you're looking at the the industrial customers, as we said, they're looking for people that will partner with them for the long term, give them that long-term supply, obviously with the right quality and all all that sort of standard stuff that you'd expect. I think the big difference is our focus is the industrial market. Yeah. But it's where we do all our business the Samsungs, the Microns, the Hynex, etc., are driven by that commodity market. So they become interested in the industrial market in many ways when you know, they're not selling enough into the commodity market, and therefore they, they move to the industrial market and service more there. Um, their technology roadmaps are driven by that whole commodity area. Um, so of course, in the commodity area, is where they make all their profit because they're in the latest and greatest technologies. So that's what they chase after. Um, what then happens is in the sort of um, the more legacy products that they continue to, to die shrink down and things like that to a point, And then they stop and they continue to just manufacture that um, to a set amount per year because they can only do X amount in their legacy fat. Um,
0: yeah.
1: While they're doing all those die shrinks, customers, industrial customers have to reapprove the latest die revision. So we stay with a, a stable die over a long long term period to really give the customer that longevity of supply. What we want industrial customers to be able to do is to design in the parts today and have confidence that for the lifetime of their product they can continue to buy it with minimal or no die streams. And and how that's do you manage really
0: it thing. and how do you manage that process and so so i know there are a number of services that you offer to support that and, and certainly working with distribution as well but such as call off scheduling project design registration there's a number of services around that area that i know you offer perhaps just to elaborate on those a little
1: bit that's absolutely fine so uh, there's, there's various points of this when you're looking at the longevity um obviously our supply chain and, and having control over the supply chain and the die revisions and all that side is key yeah. um because th- that enables the parts to be manufactured um for for the long term um so, so we have those all in place with the supply chains that, that we enter into um when you talk about the um the distribution marketplace so again we you know we focus um on going to market via the likes of your sales, the distribution channel. Um, and that brings in the whole buffer inventories, um, the the ability to then you know, schedule, reschedule, all that side. Um, but of course, it, it also gives us the focus and the knowledge of what customers are doing in terms of their project, which is why we do our sort of project registration. So we we understand the customer's project need. And as part of that, what their long-term need for that project is. So you know, one of the things that I'm always asking um, you guys as an example is, great, there's a socket available there. What's the lifetime of the project? Yeah, Because the lifetime is, is key for us to steer them to the right technology to be designing in today so that they can manufacture with confidence for the long term, mm-hmm. or they know that actually um, this technology is going to be available from now to 2027-ish, there will be a replacement technology that will be form factor um, uh, equivalent, but there will be a change around that timeline. At least then the the customer can actually design products in the knowledge of what's ahead, rather than design a product and then next week find out that actually the 4-gig EMMC has been end of life and they've got to change it to a 32-gig. So that that's the kind of thing that we focus on um to really give people that ability to design and produce with confidence for the long term and removing i guess the cost and wastage from that
0: process to make it as efficient as possible so that they actually they do something once they do it right and they do it for the longest time possible.
1: Exactly. You know we I always sort of describe it when, when the big boys really want to bring the price down they can. Yeah, of course. Um when they don't want to bring the price down, they don't, um, you know, it's it's at a higher level. We try and be that stable partner um, through all of this so that we try and give a, a stable pricing model for as long as possible um, to really, again, give, give the customer that confidence over the longevity of their product. Um, luckily, engineers don't want to be designing in a part today that's $2, that next week is eight dollars and then it's back to one dollar and then it's back up to six dollars and the lead time's gone from four weeks to 52 weeks back to eight weeks yeah it confuses people it creates um a big stir in the market um and the, the memory and storage market is a cyclical market you know it goes up and down the price levels go up and down um i, I know you spoke uh the other week with uh, with marco And Marco was talking about the the shareholder value for Samsung and Micron and weak demand versus higher demand and the whole curve of where we go with pricing curves and all that sort of side of things. Um, You know, we're coming out of a uh, of a weak demand, low price market. We're going back into a high demand, higher price market um, over the coming. Call it six, twelve months, something of that sort of order. Um, it's no real surprise in in uh, memory and storage. You know, as I say, you can almost plot these on a graph over time of sort of every four years it reappears and it, it sort of go, goes up and down through that cycle. Um, so again, you know, we just try and be that stable partner through this. But because our focus is on those industrial customers, then of course our yield goes to industrial customers. Yeah. Whereas if you're focusing on consumer commodity products you know, and you've got the yield, guess what? You're, you're pushing it out to where that big demand volume is to go and drive that, which leaves the smaller customers with no inventory.
0: Well, and, there's, and actually, there's, there's two interesting points there. So um, first, I think in the highlighting some of the advantages that Intelligent Memory bring to market versus the semiconductors, I guess really for these customers, there are no barriers to entry in terms of volume. So actually for you guys, because of the way that you work and because of your focus on industrial, if you have a partner or a design engineer that is looking at maybe working with a 1,000 systems or 2,000 systems or 5,000 systems, you will still support that, and you'll support it in the same way that you would for somebody that wants 20,000 systems, where I guess the semiconductors are probably interested in a 100,000 systems plus. And even at that point driven by the consumer demands depending on where it goes so so that was one interesting point that I I thought was worth mentioning and the second you touched on it and I know we've covered a lot as a business and with partners um the memory market and the volatility of it around supply and demand so I don't really want to go over that too much but perhaps what is interesting is is what's your advice for those that are already designing with embedded EMMC DRAM or considering it within their design in terms of how they should be looking to operate with a business such as yourself, to to manage what is going to be a very uncertain time around supply and price over the next twelve months. It's
1: a, it's a great question, and um, if you look at the customers that are out there again, if let's just focus on DRAM and EMMC as a, as a quick example, and um, you know, board down products, um, if customers have designed designed it in from uh, another manufacturer. Um, then I would absolutely uh, advise to at least quantify I uh, on the board, um, so it's on the ABL. Um, yeah. They might be fine with their supply today, um, but you know, let's prepare for tomorrow. Um, let's get the quantification done now, rather than when their production line stops suddenly, go into panic and then have to wait for quantification. and you know, that all carries a cost with it uh, as it moves through. So qualifying now, Um, so I don't know, a, a DDR3, two or four gig uh DRAM or a eight gig EMMC, for example. Um put plug the um the IM variant in. Uh it's all X standard. Um so again, you know, it's in theory plug and play, but we always say just do the test to be a hundred percent certain. Um, but uh, 99.999% of the time it's it's fine. Um so do do that first. Um, secondly, is the more they can forecast, and I know customers hate the word of <laughs> forecast, um, but you know the, the more we can forecast, even at the very high level, that says you know we know we're going to make five to seven thousand boards next year. It gives us a lot more information than we're just going to make some boards next year. Right? We know the the sort of amount of and, um supply chain we need in place to be able to to, to service that. So, so um, to take you know, I would just highlight that you know, when they get a long lead time on something, yeah. if somebody comes back and says, you know, a, a full gig DDR3 is now a 26-week lead time, they won't speak to us. Because yeah, probably uh, we're not going to be a 26-week lead time. Makes you know, sense. People yeah. sort of take it as, well, the big boys have told us it's 26 weeks, so it must be 26 weeks. So they suffer for 26 weeks waiting when they could have been producing.
0: That makes sense. So from your perspective then, just three main areas which were, take the time now, appreciating that your engineering resource is likely to be, you know, engineers don't have a lot of time. They're always working on projects, but actually by taking the time now to design in, have a second source potentially, or speaking of yourself around the original source, And working on forecasts is a way to save them future time. Um, So perhaps it is worth spending the time now on that. And then secondly, around forecasting, it's not necessarily a commitment. So it's not a case of what you're committing to taking it. It just helps you aggregate where you believe demand is where you're going to need to make the yield and will help inform decisions around your stockholding or inventory or, or your production runs. So that actually, if that does materialize, you're prepared for it and it, and actually will support those customers that have provided that information. Because guess what? When it all goes short, everybody's going to want it, right? So those customers that exactly. are partnering with you in that way are most likely to get supported.
1: 100% agree. Um, and you used a key word in there. And that's really how, how we, you know, along with yourselves, focus on this. This isn't a customer-distributor-manufacturer relationship. We partner and say, okay, let's understand the project in detail. Let's understand the potential demand, forecasted demand, what you can commit to, what you can't commit to. But we very much see it as a partnership, um, and therefore, you know, when th- things do get tough and it does get extended on lead times, it's those partnerships that that really hold through because we will ensure that our partners can continue to produce. Perfect, great, and. On the testing and qualification,
0: I'm aware, because we work with you, we know, that you also offer services around um, samples, support, design in, configuration. So all of that's available. So so the advice is, anybody interested or anybody considering their designs or, or concerned about where the market might go, um, the best thing is probably to, via ourselves, drop in a message, and we can support with samples, we can support with technical engineering resource, Anything that they may need to, to provide an equivalent. Secret.
1: correct. Hundred percent agree. And other
0: than an email, phone, what's the, where's the other place they may find you? I, I assume if, you, if anyone's interested in golf, they might find you on the golf course as well. Where I'm sure you'd be very happy to have a conversation.
1: Never an issue to have a conversation on a golf course. <laughs> I'm all happy with that. You know that one. Um,
0: so so much uh, if, yeah. Not so much in winter. Can't say so it's honestly. always
1: particularly good, but uh, I will try. <laughs>
0: good man well Alistair thank you very much for your time I, I think we've uh we've covered that pretty exclusively and you certainly brightened up what well, is a great day so, so thank you appreciate your time thanks very much for your time Kevin cheers take care